the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Media Group. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Morning, everybody. Well, let's uh, start off with a couple quotes. I thought this one's pretty good. Uh, maybe life is the hard way. I don't know. When the show was great, it was never as enjoyable as the misery of the show being bad. Is that human nature? David Letterman. <laughs> uh, desire is the most important factor in success of any athlete. And that was Willie Shoemaker. He's one of the greatest jockeys of all time. Never, never, never quit. Winston Churchill, you know, he, he had the quickest uh, commencement speak in Oxford history. In the middle of the war, in the darkest days of the war, he walked onto the stage and said, I will never give up. We will never give up. I will never give up. And he walked off stage to a, about a 20-minute standing ovation. There are no hopeless situations. There are only men who have grown hopeless about them. And that's Claire Booth Lucy, who was a congressman and a playwright at one time. So... Uh, anyway, uh, for if you'd like to get any materials that we say on this show, we talk about our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list. Um, we all, you know, there's some other stuff that we've been talking about that I really highly recommend, and that is, uh, you know, have you checked up on your insurance? Have you done a spring cleaning on your insurance? Uh, insurance has got a lot cheaper. Um, we also have our stuff, our newsletter that comes out every week and uh, every month. I mean. And it's uh, this month is about mergers and acquisitions. You know what's in it for you, and how does the Federal Reserve affect uh, the economy, and how to recover from a mid-life crisis? Uh, it's amazing how many people have them. And then uh, probably the best piece that RBC's put out. I've only had a couple people uh, call in for it, so I know I'm probably right. Uh, it's called rewriting retirement. You know, if you're 40 to 50, this is something that you should get. Highly recommend it. I've sent it out to about three or four people, not many, but three or four people. So uh, there we go. So uh, if you'd like to get any of that, what you do is you go to Google or you go to Bing and you put down Tim Hayes Radio. Bingo. Uh, there I am. You can always tell it's me because right below my picture it says, remember, buy low, sell high. Um, anyway, there's all the contact me, email me stuff that you can hit. And uh, there's good stuff on there too, by the way. There's you know, we have Bob Dickey's piece, and Bob is our head technical strategist. And sometimes if you see what's going on with the market, you'll understand a little bit better, right? You know, one of the things that we had, we had a seminar a couple, uh, well, I guess a month ago, and uh, the people that were there that uh, were not my clients, I, I sent uh, a note saying, hey, you know, it looks like Bob's looking for a correction. And, boy, he hit it on the na nail, okay? So if you see st sometimes the stuff, you, you understand a little bit better. There's also some stuff on cybersecurity there. And also a weekly and a, and a uh, monthly newsletter uh, that you can read. Um, and then you can also ask for the dividend growth portfolio, our best ideas. Uh, I'm talking about our ADR list again. Uh, actually, somebody, two people the same week uh, asked about Michael Robinson. Uh, it was Michael Robinson and Burt Robinson. It's actually Alan Robinson <laughs> who runs our, uh, our technical portfolio. I mean, our uh, international portfolio is an Englishman. He's been around for a long, long time. And they were wondering where he'd been. Well, he's been here all along. I just haven't been talking about ADRs. He also runs an allocation portfolio, which I'm going to talk about later on the show. So if you'd like any of that stuff, you know where to go. Uh, by the way, if you go to WHK1420, their webpage, you go to local podcasts, go down to Tim Hayes, it takes you directly to my webpage. So you don't even have to go to Wing, uh, um, Bing or uh, Google. U.S. retailers have already crossed 5,994 stores are closed. 5,994 stores this year, uh, compared with 5,864 uh, 5, closures for last year. It's the biggest two-year period, by the way, in 25 years. Uh, according to Stockholm International Peace Research Institute, together 
the U.S. and China make up half the world's military spending, expanding as much as the rest of the world combined. However, Russia fell out of the top 10 spenders for the first time since 2016. Uh, its military spending actually decreased by 3.5%. And according to a recent study, fewer than uh, fewer 16-year-olds are getting their driver's license. In 1983, the first year the, uh, the analysis began, the percentage of 16-year-olds with driver's license was 46%. By 2008, it was 24. Now, uh, it, it just keeps dropping. <laughs> so, uh, the um, about 80% of the 20 to 24-year-olds were licensed drivers in 2017, by the way. So, it did drop. So, uh, I keep I keep getting the question, and I've got it again this week. You know, you just talk about stocks all the time, and that's not true. We talk about bonds. We've been talking about convertible bonds for three weeks now. Uh, but, look... Let's say you took $100,000 and you put it in the market in 2007. You got absolutely hammered. If you sold out and you put it into the money market, and let's say it dropped all the way, you know, 51%. You were down for the whole thing, okay? So you had $49,000 then. Your $100,000 turned into forty It'd now be fifty-one-seven. If you put it in bonds, it'd be seventy-one. okay? If you put it in stocks... You'd be up one hundred and eight percent, two hundred and eight thousand dollars. And by the way, we've had kind of a down year. You know, we've we've been kind of in this sideways bearish market for uh, you know since January of last year. So there. Now I've been talking about uh, you know last spring I talked heavily about REITs and and utilities about five weeks in a row. And REITs are one of the uh, the groups that hit a new high, uh, as did utilities just recently. So here we have uh, this you know this big massive surge. Uh, from January till now. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons I was so cautious the last couple of weeks is that REITs, utilities, and technology were the three groups that were hitting new highs. We only had 13 new highs the day we just teaked up to hit a new high. By the way, it has to be like a 4% move above the old high before you can really call it a new high. And so we were 2% above, and uh, then we came crashing down. So, you know, it's one of those things where... Um, you know, you just got to pay closer attention, I think, sometimes. But look, I, I, as I mentioned last week, one of the reasons I was talking about convertible bonds is that they tend to hold up a little bit better than stocks. Uh, and a lot of the stocks out there that you never thought had dividends, their bonds, their convertible bonds have dividends. Uh, you know, there's Facebook has a convertible bond, all right? Amazon has a convertible bond. So uh, they just hold up better. Uh, if you'd like more information on that, please give us a call because uh, I got some people that do a really great job. And then last week we talked uh, in detail about dividend growth and uh, our our dividend growth portfolio and our prime income list. And look, dividend growth strategies showed their worth during the recent stock market uh, turbulence. With, with the S and P five hundred decline more than thirteen percent during the three month period between October and December, dividend growth strategies fared much better. Uh, they you know, and that's that wasn't limited just to the domestic large cap universe. It also applied applied to the small and mid cap universe. Uh, you know, you, you had an eight percent drop in the dividend aristocrats, so that's half the, the half the drop. You had an eight and a half in the in the mid cap dividend arist, aristocrats, which was seventeen, and small caps were down twenty percent. And the small cap uh, Russell dividend growth portfolio was only down seven point nine. So, look, you see. Uh, a couple things. Number one, the up capture, it, you get about 91.97% uh, of the market uh, when you have dividends, and, and the down capture is about 75% uh, in, in large cap. And in the mid caps, it's 99% you get up on the upside and only 72%. And then small caps, it's 84% and just 50% of the downside. So uh, I keep uh, harping on these dividends, but... Uh, Dividends are a great way to make a lot of money over a long period of time. And if you get the dividend aristocrats, and by the way, look, I, I, there's dividend aristocrats then, uh, you know, that our, our, uh, our good friends at uh, ProShares talk about. And then there's also, you know, the, uh, the dividend growth portfolio that our friends from First Trust use in the Alphadex. So what they do is they get the, the portfolio and they take, only take 75% and they look for the best cash flows. Cash is king, believe me. So there's lots of ways to do this, and uh, I think you're just going to pick your way and, 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 and run with it because it's a good way of doing things. Uh, I, I run a lot of these portfolios, and I'll just leave it at that. Somebody asked me, Tim, uh, this is from uh, from James, and uh, James asked me, 
you know, Tim, give me the rules that you invest by. Uh, now, investing and trading are two different things, okay? I invest for the most part for my clients. So just so you know, I have to emphasize that. But look, I, I think Warren Buffett has some, you know, a pretty good criteria uh, that I think is would go well for a long, long period of time. Number one, you want a company that's going to be around 20 years from now. You know, somebody said, well, what about Facebook? And I said, look, Facebook's a great company, but, you know, if the people using it right now in 15 years, almost 75% of them will be dead. <laughs> and so it's an older generation thing. It started out as a young person's generation. Now it's older. At some point, companies management has demonstrated in some way that they are honest, good people. Okay, so we're always looking for that. Uh, and then the company stock, uh, you know, I, I look for it has has been beat up for some reason. Uh, you know, the Washington Post in the early 70s, the Coca-Cola in the early 80s, and, and then also in, two, you know, the uh, 2008, 2009. And the company's name is a strong brand. You want a moat around your stock, okay? Uh, when I mean that, you know, you used to have moats around your castles. Well, you want a moat around your stock, and, and you want to have the demographics play a strong role. You know, I, I talked in the show about four years ago, uh, five years ago, I guess it was, about railroads, and everybody said, what are you buying railroads for? Well, you know what? Everybody's, everybody's talking about this demographic play. Well, it doesn't matter what the demographics are. You're still going to move product, okay? And not all of it can be, uh, you know, done by drones. <laughs> so then I use a couple more guidelines. I, I put no more than 3% of the portfolio in any one stock unless the guy's a trader. And if the stock grows 3%, you can keep it, you know, but if it doesn't, that's okay. Uh, but no more than 30% of your portfolio in stocks unless some of the stocks grow, in which case you're, uh, oh no, put no more than 30, I can't read my own handwriting. Put no more than 30% of your portfolio in stocks, uh, in a, in one group. Okay. So, uh, lots of people, everybody's heavy on internet stocks and, and that type of thing right now. And I've been saying, you know, growth and value are, are way apart now. <clears throat> so, then the question is, what are some good de- demographic trends? The Internet, still growing, folks. We've got the Internet of Things coming up. we got uh, AI. we got a lot of other stuff. Baby booms retiring. Believe me, that's a big thing. Energy. The more people we have, the more energy we're going to consume. And population growth is not going down anytime soon. And then batteries, I think, is another thing. And there's a dozen others, but, you know, uh, batteries are really interesting. Okay, so... Um, Look, I've been looking at the earnings season, and I think you got to deconstruct it as a mixed earnings season at this point. It appears that the S&P 500 is going to eke out a an EPS game, but one of the things I did notice is that the earnings numbers are coming down pretty hard. So earnings growth has slowed pretty dramatically from the fourth quarter uh, across the board. So I think the largest and most obvious source of the slowdown is the new tax, lanes law, uh, tax change law, tax law change. Sorry about that. Um, and then, you know, I also think some of the foreign exchanges playing a, bi- a big negative role at this point, too. So, all right, stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is the Smart Investor Show. All right, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And now we're going to talk about uh, risk monitoring and uh what we use is something that's been used for uh, uh, almost 100 years uh a bunch of people uh, that knew charles dow were protégés of him came up with something called the bullish percent and the bullish percent is just simply a point and figure chart it goes x's and o's and it goes from zero to 100 and all you gotta know is when you get over 70 that's the red zone that's when things are too hot to handle uh and that's when you should be concerned okay um you know that's when you want to hand the ball off to the fullback. <laughs> All right, You don't want to throw long passes if, if you want to do it in a football analogy. Um, when you get below 30, that's the green zone. That's when everybody's scared, uh, you know, shivering in their boots, and they don't want to hear, hear about the stock market. And that's the best time to buy, okay? Now, if you're a column of X's, um, you have the offensive team on the field. When you have a column of O's, you have the defensive team on the field. And look, defense doesn't mean you have to sell everything. It just means you've got to be a little bit more careful. Now, there are times, like you know, we talked about on the show in 2007, 2008, where domestic equities were had the lowest relative strength of any asset class. 
that's when you should be worried, okay? Especially when money market's in first place. And we said that on the show. We said, you know, that the money market would outperform the stock market for the next year. That's usually not a good thing because the money market back then was yielding 0.05%. Um, so not a high bar to jump over. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, we were right. And, uh, you know, it's uh, there's been some pretty good calls in the show. Uh, but anyway, uh, if you look uh, at the top 30-day performance for the sectors, pro- uh, protection safety equipment has been number one, insurance has been number two, semiconductors three, finance number four, Wall Street, savings and loans, and building banks, software, and food and beverages. What's interesting is a lot of those are financials. Hmm. Interesting. So the bullish percent now is at 55.8%. It was down almost 2% last week. And as of Friday, by the way, it was um, 54. It'll break down at 52 into a column of O's. We're still in the column of X's, so there's still time to turn around. The... Uh, the over-the-counter index was just down 0.1. So you're seeing that the small caps are starting to lead, like we said in the last part of the show. And it went, they're at 45. They won't turn down to 38. Uh, so, you know, we got a little room. Um, the world index was down 2.5%, and it's at 42.7. It would break down to 42, so we're getting mighty close. Uh, so, you know, that's something to pay attention to. I did notice that all the high, new high versus new low indexes uh, were were all – in a column of O's, okay? So people are selling, is what I'm trying to tell you. Um, so into a new high, they were selling, and I think that's interesting. Now, within the past week, the communications service sector has moved into third place uh, within uh, domestic uh, equities in the, in the dynamic asset level investing that our friends from Dorsey Wright provide us. They provide us with a bullish percent, too. And that moves, pushes the, the uh, sector past utilities, which now sits in fourth space, uh, so that's kind of interesting. So the top four spots are technology, industrials, communication services, and utilities. And then financials jumped up to 140. So 149, I'm sorry. So they've, they're number five. Dead last are the value stocks, basic materials, energy, uh, energy basic materials, and real estate. Uh, so a lot of ch- rotation that you're not seeing probably. Okay, which is, you know, the reason uh, people use us. <laughs> but, um, we're, you know, we're starting to see uh, the communication services, by the way, has been reconstituted. So it's got stuff like Facebook in it, Alphabet, uh, Netflix, you know. Uh, so currently it makes up about 10% of the S&P 500 index. Okay, so it's a little bit different than what you've seen before. So, so if you're looking for broad exposure to that, index the communication service sector spider uh is something to pay attention to i guess it did break out and did pull back it's actually pulled back pretty hard in the last week so um you know there there's been rumors that they want to people talking about breaking up facebook and and amazon having too much power and all that other good stuff but uh i looked over the the entire portfolio in the communication services area and there's some pretty interesting stuff uh within that portfolio that you know, a lot of the big names. So, uh, we'll, uh, well, I got one favorite in there, but, uh, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but there's a lot of names in there that you could probably buy, especially on the pullback. Now I looked at all the charts, uh, and I looked at the point and figure charts and the regular charts and, you know, the Dow Jones, uh, was negative this week. Um, so wasn't the, uh, mid cap and the, uh, you know, it has been negative for a week. But the small caps continue to be positive. So they've been positive for five weeks. So I think people are going there. Why? Because they're not affected by China. You know, most of them do, don't, don't do very much international business. The QQQs were negative. They were positive for 18 weeks. Something tells me that's where the correction is going to occur. The, the, uh, Invesco, uh, S&P 500 EQ weight index is negative now. And so is the SPS, SPY, which is the market weight or the, uh, uh, capitalization weighted index. So, uh, you know, there you go. Now I have noticed that the, a lot of the low volatility defensive ETFs have picked up a lot of, uh, steam recently. So we're having a lot of people start to put money into those low volatility things. Now, what I've seen, if, you know, major corrections like last fall, these were the last ones to give it up and they gave it up pretty hard in the last two weeks of December. So you just keep that in mind, uh, keep that in the back of your head. And I, I looked at the bullish percent for, for each of the sectors, and 
You know, last week we had nine positive sectors or favorite sectors. Now we have eight. And just so you know, exactly a month ago, we had eight sectors over 70. We now have two. <laughs> Only one that is favored, that's electric utilities. It's a 70, so you want to wait on the electric utilities. Remember, we're just going to talk about the favored sectors because uh, that's where the money, sh- you'll make the most money, in my opinion. Uh, you know, the best stock in an unfavored sector probably won't do as well as the worst stock in a favored sector over time. And then the semiconductors are at 65 with waste management. So that's still, you know, I think you you wait on those, let them come back to you. Autos are at 58. Um, that's a very interesting scenario because most of that is coming from auto parts manufacturers. Uh, so it's it's not, you know, the GMs or the Teslas of the world or anything like that. Um, at 50 is software, medical, and housing. And then at 40 is telecommunications. There's only one group which is not favored that's, un, that's under 30, and that is precious metals. So there you go. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting time. Uh, you know, I've been talking to more and more people about uh, everybody's talking about health care, and I said, you know, if Bernie Sanders gains ground, uh, that, that could be a, a, a tough scenario. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I did notice that transportation, which bounced up for us for a couple weeks, Went back to average, and gaming went to negative. Uh, gaming's a tough one because uh, they sold off so fast. In Latin America, which had been above three on the Dorsey Wright scale, is now below it at two point four one. So it's no longer you know a great citizen. And you remember, it was mostly Brazil. Now we did look at a lot of uh, uh, Russian ETFs, and you know uh, they had made a to- couple tops uh, earlier sold off and then have rallied back up. Uh, and a lot of them have broken double and triple tops. Now they're not at new highs. So, uh, but it, it seems a lot of people are putting money to work in Russia. I guess we have to find out why somewhere down the line. Now the 10 year treasury, which is the uh, TNX. Now what we're talking about is a treasury yield, uh, ended the period consolidation it had been for the last couple of months when it broke a, a what they call a bearish triangle, uh, to 2.45% uh, last Tuesday. Uh, from here, the next level of supports around sits around 237. Now, then we're talking about the yield now. So if the yield goes down, the price of the bonds go up. And remember, uh, we had this uh, ongoing situation <laughs> with Bob Schleimer, who is a really good technician, and Bob Dickey, who's an excellent technician also. Uh, you know, uh, Rob Schleimer now works for Fundstrat. He used to be with RBC, and, and Bob is with uh, RBC. He's a head technician for us. Bob thinks we could go down to 2%, and Bob Schleimer thinks that, you know, we're, we're going to turn around. So it'll be interesting to see who wins that fight because, you know, that's like Ali Frazier as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but, you know, if we broke two, uh, 2.375%, uh, there's nothing but air for a pretty long time. So uh, that I would suggest that Bob would be right if we broke – 250 on the upside, uh, then Bob Schleimer would be right. But the yield curve is flattened with the 10-year yield uh, closing just three bips above uh, the three-month uh, yield on Tuesday of last week. So you may recall that it, uh, the inversion is when these two yields, uh, you know, in, invert. So that raised some concerns in March, and it may be raising them again soon <laughs> is what I'm trying to tell you in so many words. Now, oil, which had been positive for 18 weeks, went negative this week. Uh, and gold's been negative for 11 weeks, so you might see that turn around. And copper's been negative for a couple weeks. And corn, uh, corn was up positive for two weeks. I, I guess the real scenario uh, that's been in a bearish, bearish mood has been sugar. Um, if you look at the continuous contract, it's been cratering since 2011. Uh, I mean, sugar was up as high as 37 and it is now 10. <laughs> I mean, it's been as low as lowest 10, I should say. We're just above 10 right now. And uh, it looks like it's broken the downtrend line dating back to 2011 and then bounced up and made another downtrend line. So be interesting to see if we break through that because uh, um, a lot of the commodities have been just been out to lunch. So uh, it's been a tough, tough scenario. Now, we mentioned that the NDX and the XLG were very, very overbought, 100% overbought. They're now in the, the 40% overbought category. So we'll see what happens. And then relative strength. We always talk about relative strength. It's important. You add technicals with fundamentals. 
trust me, you'll make a lot more money than just doing fundamentals or just technicals. Uh, and when we have a relative strength buy signal, it it can hang on for a pretty long time. So, you know, if it, if it reverses back and, and goes down, that's a whole different story. But um, a lot of the times these things, when they, when they get a relative strength buy, you're off to the races. So here are the buy signals. Uh, so these are the names you probably want to jot down. Cray, Energy Recovery Inc., Waste Connections, MC, MFC Bancorp, KBR, uh, Ultra Clean Holdings, GW Pharmaceuticals, Verona Systems, We've got a great report on that, by the way. Voyager Therapeutics, Sandex Pharmaceuticals, it's a little cheapy, uh, Urende Limited, which is in financial services, and Quaden, which is a ADR, and also Acrosa, which is industrial goods. And then um, on the sell side, we have American Semiconductor, uh, uh, Cognizant Technologies, J.B. Hunt, Nokia, Nucor, Penn National, Phillips 66, Suncor, Whiting Petroleum. By the way, those not sales, they're just, you better check your numbers. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And if you missed, or you just turned in the last part and you missed it, uh, remember on Tuesdays at 12 o'clock, WHK uh, rebroadcasts this for the, you know, uh, on an ongoing basis for the rest of the week. So um, it, it's, uh, you know, you go to Tim Hayes or you go to local podcast, Tim Hayes, and, uh, you know, you can get any week you want to hear. So if you, you know, missed a couple weeks, you're on vacation, that type of thing. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that I, I've been, we've been talking about at RBC is a way to construct a, uh, a portfolio, what we call a portfolio blueprint. And there are several things you need, strategic asset allocation, asset allocation, you know, investment policy, a fulfillment guide, and a discretionary portfolio right, as, as a money manager. And we now have put all, the whole thing together in one portfolio. So, um, it really makes life easy. No matter what you want done, we can do it for you. So just remember that. If you'd like more on that, let me know. You know, not farm payrolls came out at 263,000 in April, and they beat the consensus of 190. Uh, however, uh, labor market is very strong, but not quite as uh, as much of a monster blowout as some were suggesting. Non-farm payrolls surged at 263,000. That beat the most optimistic forecast, by the way. In addition, payrolls are reversed up for the prior month. Uh, and these show that many analysts were wrong, <laughs> by the way, uh, because they're very pessimistic about the, uh, the thing. But uh, the headlines about payrolls and the drop in unemployment rate are driving the celebration. But the plunge in the unemployment rate came largely due uh, to the 490,000 peop- uh, person decline in the labor force, um, So, which is more than offset the 103% decline in civilian unemployment, by the way. So... Uh, um, you know, it wasn't as good as everybody. I mean, it wasn't a blowout. It was a really good number. Simple as that. You know, I was looking at the, uh, you know, I was talking about s- sector seasonality, okay? And uh, so I looked at which sectors are really good. But I did notice one thing, you know, if I looked at, three, you know, uh, on March 1st, almost all the sectors uh, were 20 to 60% overbought. Uh, now, uh, we only, you know, most of the sectors are dead zero. Uh, so we, we've really pulled back a little bit. We're still pulling back. So it'll be interesting to see where we are next week. So what you want to see, you know, when you look at this thing, uh, you want everything on the left-hand side. Uh, and every, a lot of the stuff was on the right-hand side. So uh, it's it's a good good scenario. But um, we did we did look over things, and, and uh, I did notice there's a seasonality to a lot of this stuff. So you, you want to pay particular attention you know, for example, biotechnology does extremely well in the summer. I don't know why, but it does. Uh, small cap technology does extremely well in the summer. And utilities do extremely well in the summer. Don't ask me why, but that's it's been the, the case for uh, about 65% of the time, which makes it probable. One of the things that I thought was interesting is the S&P 500 eked out a new high this, this last week. 
but shorts on the volatility index are at an all-time high. So the volatility index goes up when the market goes down. So if they're short, they think the volatility index is going to go down. Hmm. Seems to me that it went up this week pretty drastically. So it'll be interesting to see if these guys cover what happens to volatility because I think it'll spike pretty big. You know, uh, I read a really good report, which I can send to you if you'd like. Uh, you just, you know, email me or, or uh, you know, it's timothy.hayes at rbc.com. Uh, or you go to my webpage, you know, you Bing or Google Tim Hayes Radio and just hit the email me or, or, uh, or uh, there's, you know, contact me, that type of thing. But uh, Mark Mahaney and uh, his group, you know, Mark's on CNBC all the time. Uh, he's one of the best Internet analysts on the planet. And he says there's still sizable pockets of opportunity in large cap Internet stocks. So uh, if you'd like that report, you know, please let us know. It's a fascinating report. It's only about eh, eight, nine pages, so it can be read pretty fast. Uh, so uh, there we go. Now, I did notice, you know, I was talking about the seasonality and the week, uh, seasonality week shopping list. And they, they, these are the groups that look really good during the six months, you know, uh, you know, from May 1st on. They're the internet, especially small cap internet, software, biomedics, uh, aerospace, computers, utilities, leisure, food, insurance, and gas utilities. So that's the group we were talking about. And I got a whole list of really good looking names that, uh, might be uh, worth noting. Let's put it that way. Um, by the way, it's about two or three pages, so uh, you know it, it, there's a lot of good stuff on there. Uh, and, and some of the charts, I think you know, uh, you got to wait on a little bit. But uh, there we go. Now, uh, you know, a lot of traders are are truly obsessed with the S and P 500, uh, and I think you know it's hard not to be transfixed by the price screens. You know, when they the S&P 500 has its worst stretch, you know, in a period of time, but it keeps going higher. Uh, it's the 19, uh, 2019 earnings estimates that should be the numbers everybody's paying attention to. And I don't think anybody is because we've gone from about 178 to about 167. So $167 uh, is what we're looking at now versus 176. So, uh, that's the number you should be concentrating on. So what I'm suggesting is earnings estimates are coming down, all right, uh, which is not, you know, what you want. <laughs> uh, and, and that's why, you know, I've been saying I think this we're going to have this sloppy market until that turns around. So it'll be, I think, with the Chinese effect, it might even be a bigger problem. And the tech companies, uh, which lifted the broader market, are really coming down. So you want to be careful there. Uh, I want to talk about the ADR list a little bit. You know, the ADR list is something you should take a look at because we're starting to see some money flow into the uh, Morgan Stanley Corporate Index, which is the EFA on as an ETF. And we're starting to see some really good names there. So, uh, matter of fact, I saw several that I really liked. Um, but it was interesting that the strong jobs report bo- boosted stocks to a new record. But we only had, we had 13 uh, new highs the one day. And only eight the next. So, hmm, you know, is that good? No, nah, you, you want like 500, 600 new highs when you hit a new high. Uh, so um, that's, you know, there you go. But, you know, Yale Hirsch, uh, who wrote the Stock Traders Almanac, uh, said the best six months uh, strategy in, in the 1950s. He wrote the, the whole thesis on it. And uh, his son, Greg's a great guy, by the way. Uh, and, you know, Jeff. I said, Greg, Jeff is what I meant. Uh, you know, they run the Almanac regularly updates on this best six month strategy. And it's amazing. Uh, you know, the seasonality is really, really big. But I think the point is, is that um, during the summer you can make money, but it's, it's specific sectors that you have to be looking for. So uh, we're starting to see some of that sector rotation and it's starting to appear. So I think that, uh, you know, you, you, you should start to pay attention to that because uh, there's a lot of money. I mean, I've, I've made a lot of money in the summer on biotech stocks and on utilities and uh, a lot of internet stocks. The smaller the internet stocks, the better. Um, and a lot of defense stocks. I don't know why, but, um, you know, I was looking, uh, at some of these uh, volume ratio charts, which is something might not many people talk about, but, uh, uh, Carl Swindlin is the guy who actually put that together first. And, uh, he, he, 
if if you look, there's some climatic attention flags that are are starting to happen. So I think uh, you know that means that you know you you could be correcting hard fairly quickly here. And we're started to you know I started talking about that uh, uh, last last couple of weeks that you know it wasn't the greatest greatest scenario, uh, but I think that uh, look as long as you're combining fundamentals and technicals, you're going to probably increase your profits. And if you're not doing both, then I suggest that uh, you let me do it for you. All right, so the S&P is still in an uptrend, but uh, I think we're going to have some pullbacks in in the quarter. I think uh, Bob Dickey thinks it could be anywhere from five to six percent, or we might it might be over. Uh, you know, we're still early in this new four year cycle, uh, but you know, I, I and I expect the second quarter pullbacks to be shallow. I've mentioned that to several people. I said it's going to be sloppy trading. It won't be fun. Uh, the, the Russell Midcap Index is beginning to break out of a two-month trading range, though. That's a big positive because by any stretch of the imagination, small cap stocks are the cheapest I've ever seen them in my career, and I've been around the block a couple times. So uh, Now, technology continues to lead the way, although they got crushed last week. Um, you know, So there we go. And the financials, you know, this is a chart that we could have a trend-changing uh, pending. You know, they made a big move and, and I, I got into some and they went up and I didn't, I didn't sell them uh, as much as I should have. Uh, and then they pulled back and uh, I've been adding to them because I think they're going to lead. That's my opinion. Uh, but, and then aerospace and defense, believe it or not, even with Boeing, it, it's, we still look uh, great. Uh, you know, so look, I, what I'm trying to say to you right now is don't let the short term market get you, get you crazy. Okay. Don't lose sight of the longer-term market cycle. Look, the, the monthly quadrant balance uh, data measuring the percentage of stocks with rising monthly momentum continues to build, okay? It's been oversold for a while uh, since October, based on, well, since December. Now, the weekly uh, is still heading south, okay? So, uh, you know, once it gets to oversold and starts to turn up, then I think we'll be in great shape. But the relative performance versus bonds is still there, I mean, for the stock market, for the S&P 500 anyway. And like I said, the the Russell is, be, you know, the relative performance is beginning to uh, improve. And, and if we were to break out, that would be very positive because those stocks are down and out. Now, growth versus value, uh, mid-cap, there's no even comparison. Uh, the large cap is just, just broken above uh, resistance. Same with small cap. So that value trade is not showing up yet. And uh, I don't know what to tell you. Now, I did mention that the uh, Morgan Stanley Corporate Index, the EFA ETF, has, has, looks like it's made a cyclical low, you know, because it's made a, a low and then a higher low now, and it's broken the downtrend line, which is a kind of a psychological barrier uh, going forward. And same with the EEM, uh, and, you know, it, it's consolidating a little bit. The problem with that is the relative performance versus the S&P 500 is not very good. And same with China. I know China's really got beat up this week, and the relative performance is, is stalled, so... Uh, there we go. Now, the dollar broke out uh, above 97 and a half, and now it's pulled back. So it'll be interesting to see if that breakout holds. Uh, I don't, you know, if it doesn't hold uh, and it pulls back, you know, then value stocks will come into play. But in the meantime, it's probably going to put some pressure on uh, oil. You know, gold still is in this huge triangle pattern, and it's still going to break uh I think, you know, if it breaks 1320, we'd be great. If it breaks 1380, it'd be even better. Financials, you know, the relative performance is starting to turn. So that's something you want to take a look at, I think, personally. Uh, the broker deal index is, is kind of the same thing. It's not, it's not as advanced as the financials. And utilities are weird because the, the price momentum is. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. And now we talk about insiders, you know, because insiders know their companies better than we do. And, you know, last week I talked about uh, Dennis Alexander buying a lot of Biogen IDEC. He's on the board. And then the CEO buying some Biogen IDEC. We just found out that Sarista Capital, which is a very smart money manager, especially in the healthcare area, bought 27 million shares too. So, bingo. Uh, just remember, insiders tend to be early, okay? And we, what we're looking for in this show is big insider buys uh, or multiple buys. Look, if you have 10 people, I'll buy 5,000 shares. 
that's a pretty good indication something's up, okay? If Especially if those 10 people own a bunch of shares also, you know, so, uh, but remember, they're early. So these things you don't have to jump on usually right away. You know, some are right on time. There's been a couple recently that have been, I mean, hit the cover off the ball. They were so uh, on time. Uh, but in the most cases, they're early, and we're looking for large positions. And the Elon Musk confirmed this week that he bought $25 million in Tesla stock last week. So he keeps buying. He's been wrong, by the way. He's bought much higher. Here's another group that's been wrong, Opco Health. Uh, Robert Frost, the CEO, bought $1.9 million worth, and he bought another 585. Uh, and this stock is just cratered from 19 down to two. Uh, now th- this week, the CFO bought 3,200 shares. Uh, another director bought 100,000 shares. And, uh, Jane Hasio, who's the chief science officer who owns a ton of the stock, by the way, bought another 10,000 shares. And another director bought 10,000 shares. So Mr. Frost isn't all alone, <laughs> but he's been wrong. Um, He's a very smart guy, by the way. You know, Key Pharmaceuticals, a couple other names that he's really hit the, you know, he sold Key to Tiva and has been a home run ever since. Uh, And then also uh, Realology, which is in uh, property management, you know, it's been getting crushed. It was uh, 18 bucks. Actually, back in August, it was 24 bucks. It's now eight and a half. And the CEO and president bought a million dollars worth. And he he owns a ton, you know, just like a lot. Uh, so, and then perceptive advisors have announced a, a 5.1 per stake, a percent stake. And, and they call it passive by the way, in view Ray perceptive, smart money. I'll just all say view Ray. All right. If you can remember that. Um, and then we have avid technologies, uh, which is uh, an interesting company. It's kind of like, uh, it's, it's a cross between gaming and, and some other stuff, but I noticed the, uh, uh, John Ho Park, who is uh, a director, he bought 13,000 shares and eight others bought 13,000 shares, including the CFO and uh, chief research officer. I think that's the chief science officer. And then Anuvis Pharmaceutical. Oh, by the way, uh, that was at a new high for Avid, which is important. Uh, Novus Therapeutics, uh, which has was $8 back in August, is now uh, $2.65. Uh a, a group called Original Israel bought $2.2 million and a director bought $2 million worth. And then uh, Evine Live, which is a, a 40 cent stock, we had a, a director buy three million, three point six million shares. That's a lot. And then Arconic at, you know, basically a new recovery high. Uh, Arconic's a big basic material aluminum company. The CEO bought eleven uh, $1.1 million worth. And he owns a ton of it. Um, also, uh, we have Cotty. Uh, you know, C- Cottage uh, Hold Co. BV has bought a lot of the stock. They just bought another 150 million shares at 11.63. They now own 450 million shares. Something tells me Cotty's not going to be around much longer. <laughs> and then Value Act uh, got back in the act. Sorry about that. Couldn't resist. Uh, and they bought uh, Unify, uh, they bought $2.3 million worth, and they own a ton of it. So that's always a good sign. Uh, also, Harmonic Light Waves. Now, this is an interesting one because these are guys that uh, do a lot with um, fiber optic cable. And the uh, the CFO bought 115,000 shares, and a couple uh, direct uh, – Couple directors bought a hundred thousand shares, and the president and CEO bought two hundred fifty thousand, and another director bought seventy five thousand. It's a little five dollar stock, so it's you know it's not for widows or orphans or anything like that. And here's another one, and this was an inter- interesting one because they published a letter about how th- good things were, were, and it's called Cellsci Corp. Uh, and uh, we had a director buy uh, one hundred sixty thousand shares. And then uh, the CSO, Chief Science Officer, by $382,000 worth. Uh, senior VPs, two of them bought 206, 211, that type of thing. A bunch of officers bought 160, and then one officer bought 100. So it's an uh, interesting stock, around 8 bucks, but uh, it's very rare you see a, a company publish a letter saying how good things are. Uh, interesting if they can come up and be, be absolutely sure of it. I did notice Philip Morris International, which is a pretty high-priced stock. We had eight 
insiders buy 2,000 shares each. Uh, you know, so that's uh, a good chunk of change. So uh, uh comes out to be about, oh, a couple million dollars worth. But eight insiders buying is good. And then uh, United Healthcare, which is just getting, you know, beat up. It was 290. It's now 230. The CEO bought $4.6 million worth and a director bought $1.5 million. And then Texas Roadhouse, uh, we had a, a director buy a million dollars worth. And then SS&C Technologies, we had a director buy a million. Got a lot of insider buys this week, folks. Uh, Annalee Mortgage, the CEO, bought uh, $2.8 million. Uh, Community Health, the CEO and chairman, bought about $3.1 million. Let's see here. Uh, Halizyme, we had uh, seven people buy about uh, 12,000 shares, and they're already down on it. That's interesting. So that's that's all there is for insiders. Now I'm just going to talk about a little bit what I see and. Look, I, we, we broke uh, 2,600, which was near-term support. So the way I look at it is we got some support at like 2,520 on the Dow and then 2,400. Uh, so that, you know, that could be, uh, I mean, we get to 2,400, it could be a, a pretty big move down. Uh, there is substantial support at 2,400, so it would be interesting to see what happens. But we, we never tested the low. And after a, a move down like we did in the fall, uh, I knew we were going to test the low, and I said that a couple of weeks ago, and I, um, I, I feel the same way. But, look, what you have is neutral is normal after a big move. And we had a big move back in 17. You know, we, we, we moved from 18,000 on the Dow to 26,000. That's a big move. And then you're going to go sideways for a while. It's like a stair step, okay? So we're in that, that period of time where the stair, you know, we're, we're making the stair, okay? So I think what you need to do is get a list of high-quality names that you want to buy. All right, I've already got my list. <laughs> i got a list so long that I don't know what to do with it, you know. And I'm paring it down now to find out what I really want to own. And I think it'll come. The other, you know, the other question is, you know, if we have this value growth turnover, uh, I think a lot of people are going to be caught, uh, you know, th- there'll, be, there'll be problems with people's portfolio because – a lot of people are heavy, heavy into technology. Uh, and, and by the way, so aren't the indexes because as the stock goes up, it becomes more of the index. So that's where you got to be, you know, uh, everybody says, oh, active advantage investors are never right. Well, the point is, is that they're coming to go into cash as, as the market goes up and then the index starts to fall and suddenly they're brilliant again. Uh, I did notice that uh, the oil and gas indexes have broken down. Uh, what's interesting is they never really went up, and the price of oil went up almost 50% from the low. And they sure went down when the price of oil went down, which is uh, very – it's telling. I'm not exactly sure what it says, but it, it says there's nobody believed really the oil move because um, there's a lot of oil out there. Trust me, there's a lot of oil. It's it, Natural gas is – just a huge amount of reserves out there for natural gas. We probably have natural gas reserves for four or 500 years. I think they're burning more gas off in uh, Baca, Montana and, and the Permian Basin every day than New York City uses, okay? So it, we have large quantities of it. And, uh, you know, you go to electric, you still burn natural gas and oil to get the electric. You go to the natural gas, you have one-sixteenth the, the pollutant, and uh, you get plenty of it. So it would be interesting. Uh, so, you know, once again, I think we're starting to pull back and, and, uh, I'll just mention that we've got technology then communication services, then utilities, then financials. Uh, so that's the groups that I would probably stay with. Uh, industrials fell off pretty fast. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if they hold up. So it does look like we're, we're getting this corrective move and, and I don't know where, where it's going to take us, but look, if I, if I look at the, uh, the ten-year Treasury index again, you know, I I think I agree with Bob D- uh, Dickey is that you know it looks like it could head to two percent over a period of time, uh, unless we break through this line, and I just don't know what's going to turn it unless it's the Chinese thing, and even then it didn't turn. So, uh, you know, the Chinese index has really got hit this this week, last couple of weeks. So you want to be careful there too. Uh, buy everything coming back to you, not uh, don't pay up for anything right at the moment, as far as Tim's concerned. The, the good news is the bullish percent is still in a column of X's. That might not be the case after Friday, but I couldn't get the uh, I couldn't get onto uh, 
Dorsey Wright's uh, webpage to get that information for you. In the meantime, uh, you know, Noah didn't start building the ark uh, when it started raining. He, he built the ark earlier. And so I would start to take a look at best ideas, dividend growth portfolios, prime income lists, all the stuff you can get from us. Uh, also, you know, I've talked about Marshfield before, and, uh, you know, we monitor them very, very closely. And, uh, you, you know, you, you can't go out and get them yourself because it's like a $10, $10 million investment. So here uh, we, can, we can work with you. They've had a great track record. They've had like three down years and 20. Uh, and the biggest, you know, I mean, I don't think they even had a, a 5% loss up until 2008. They were down about 15% then uh, when everybody else was down about 37. So they've done a great job of holding up and down markets. Uh, that way they're leading the market by about three percentage points. Uh, so, you know, can't guarantee that in the future, but they got, they do a great, they have a great track record. Uh, anyway, uh, in the meantime, you know, if you just heard part of the show and you want to hear the rest of it, WHK 1420 AM, uh, go to local podcasts, go down to Tim Hayes and you can hear all my past, you know, if this is the first time you listen to the show, uh, you know, we had about uh, 20 first time listeners last week and, and about, I think every one of them called me, <laughs> uh, which is great. You know, I, I love talking to you people. And um, I think the point is, is that if you didn't hear the whole show, you can hear the whole show. It comes on Tuesday at noon. You know, take it from there. But if you want any of our uh, our uh, lists, just go to Tim Hayes Radio on Google or Bing. Uh, and it has all these contact me, email me there. Check out Bob Dickey. Check out a couple of our, uh, our newsletters in the meantime. Have a great weekend. Remember, buy low, sell high. This is Tim Hayes, The Smart Investor Show. Thanks for listening to The Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com dot com slash tim hayes please join us again next saturday for the smart investor hour to hear more smart investing from tim hayes of rbc wealth management three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal flynn told the truth he was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.